Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning if you're watching from the comfort of your own home. Um, today, we're going to be continuing and actually completing our one of a kind series. And I personally have been looking at Moses and some of the lessons that we can glean from the life of Moses. Um, and there's so many more that we haven't even touched on that we're not going to touch on. So I really want to encourage you to dig into the word and um, draw out those juicy pieces of, of information for yourself, that, that juicy revelation that's available for all of us. Um, today I'm going to be continuing and completing um, our series. So let's close our, let's close our eyes and bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for this series and we really pray that you would continue to help us, Holy Spirit, as we dig into your word. You would um, grant us revelation and wisdom from your word. You would teach us how to mine the word for ourselves and feed ourselves from the riches of your word. And I really pray from this message today that you would speak to our hearts and you would do something in each one of us. Speak to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. So like I said, um, the, the accounts of the lives of the men and women in the Bible are such a gift to us. And we're going to continue to look at Moses' life today. I want to encourage you to have an attitude, a heart attitude of, Lord, speak to me through this message. I want to encourage you to have that heart attitude because God honors that and he will speak to us when we do that. And um, where we're going to pick up the account of Moses today, um, it's where Moses has been going into Pharaoh requesting that he lets the Israelites go free to worship for a few days. And as we um, explored briefly last time, we discovered that Pharaoh refused and then he said yes and he kept changing his mind. And eventually, after about 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally agrees to let the Israelites go. And Moses leads the Israelites out into the wilderness to worship the Lord. Um, and that's where we pick up the message today. Now, I just want to say at the outset that the way that I've structured the message today is a little bit different to how I've structured the previous ones. And the previous ones, I've literally walked through uh, uh, the account verse by verse in some instances and given revelation and applications from the verses as we've gone through them. And I want to encourage you in your own Bible reading time to do that. That was why I did it like that. I wanted to ignite us to do our own personal devotions like that. But today what I'm going to do is a bit different. I'm going to look at specific instances that we see um, in the journey of the Israelites with Moses through the wilderness. And I'm going to ask us specific questions which I'm wanting us to reflect upon from those particular situations. And there are three questions actually that I'm going to be asking us today. So today the, my message is three questions that I'm wanting us to ponder upon. And not only a ponder, but where necessary, make requisite life change in accordance with what our answer is or what we want our answer to be. So the first question that I'm wanting to ask from this, uh, what we're going to look, the scripture we're going to look at from Moses and and him leading the Israelites um, through the wilderness is, is this. What type of relationship with God will you be satisfied with? What type of relationship with God will you be satisfied with? I'm asking that question because our the type of relationship, the depth of relationship that we have with God is uh, very likely 
a result of whatever we satisfied with. So if I'm satisfied with my current, I'm not going to make any changes. I'm not going to do anything to change anything. Um, so what type of relationship with God will you be satisfied with? And the scripture that I'm wanting to read is Exodus 13, verse 17 to 18. And it says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So God said such and such and such. I won't lead them this way because of X, Y, Z. I'll lead them that way. And I want you to think about that particular portion of scripture. The first thing I want you to think about is who wrote that? Who actually wrote that? Who penned that? Because whoever wrote that must have had God explain his process and purpose in why he was choosing to lead the Israelites that route. Wow. God actually explained to the author why he was choosing to lead the Israelites the long route and not the short, quick route. So whoever wrote that must have had a really good relationship with God. Now, from what we know, it was Moses who thought to have written thought to have written the Pentateuch and so the book of Exodus it was Moses Moses was the author and so Moses must have had a really good relationship with the Lord the Lord explained to him it was it was to Moses that God said lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt so I'm going to lead them by the way of the wilderness Mo I'm going to lead these people the long route through the wilderness because I know that if I lead them the direct route through the land of the Philistines they may just turn around and head back to Egypt and frustrate our purposes so let me rather fulfill my purpose and lead them around the way of the wilderness so Moses must have had an understanding maybe he had a discussion with God about it but the reality is that God explained to him why he was doing what he was doing I love the scripture in Psalm 103 verse 7 it says he made known his ways to Moses this is God God made known his ways to Moses his acts to the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Moses' relationship with the Lord was such that God made himself and his ways known to Moses. It means that the children of Israel were probably satisfied in just seeing the acts of God. They were probably satisfied when their immediate needs were taken care of because it says that God made his ways known to Moses, made his ways known to Moses. I want to ask you today, are you satisfied with just seeing the hand of God? Are you satisfied with just seeing the acts of God, the provision of God, the breakthrough of the Lord, and yet you don't, you, you're not you, you don't desire to go deeper. Do you desire to go deeper with God? Do you desire for him to make his ways known to you? How great would it be if we could understand his ways, understand his purposes behind something, understand why he's taking us a certain route and not just follow blindly because that is the way the Lord is leading us. And so we're satisfied with just obeying. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. 
if that is all there is for that season, sometimes God requires that we step out in faith and he doesn't give us more information. But you know, in my heart of hearts, I want to understand why the Lord is leading us this route. I want to understand his purpose for leading me this route or leading the church this route or leading my family this route. I want to know the ways of God. I just don't want to see the hand of God. And I hope that the same can be said of you today. My next scripture that I'm wanting to share is Exodus 20, verse 18 to 21. And this is an example of how the people of Israel, how the Israelites were quite satisfied for Moses to have the encounters with the Lord and for them to hold back and just hear from, the, from Moses what the Lord was, was saying. It says, now all of the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And that was the Lord. That was the Lord in the mountain. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. They were afraid. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you. And that is fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off. But Moses drew near through the thick darkness where God was. So here again, we see Moses approaching God, uh, uh, seeking God in terms of relationship. And the Israelites quite satisfied just to hear via Moses, um, whatever the Lord was saying. And here again, we see that Moses understood what God was up to. He knew what God was doing. And the Israelites had no idea what God was doing. And they were quite satisfied with that because he says, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you. That is fear may be before you that you may not sin. So Moses understood what the Lord was doing. He understood the Lord's ways. He's like, guys, don't fear this. This is what God is doing. He's testing us. This is what God is doing. He wants us to not sin. I'm going to go in and seek God and hear from him. And the Israelites were like, that's fine. You go and you tell us what he said. Okay. So we see as Moses leads the Israelites out from Egypt, they cross over the Red Sea. Um, Pharaoh and all the Egyptian uh, army is covered by the water and, um, and killed in effect. God does this great victory and, and leads the Israelites through the wilderness. And he does so, God leads them through the wilderness for 40 years. So just thinking about that 40 years in the wilderness, we know that it was not the most direct route to the promised land. We know that technically speaking, they could have taken anything between six weeks and 12 weeks to cross a direct route into the promised land. God chose to take them this roundabout route and keep them in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Why did God do that? Because God was doing something deeper in their hearts. God had something, God had a purpose he was trying to fulfill in that time. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So there we see that God was, that that was God's purpose for leading them 40 years in the wilderness and keeping them in the wilderness for 40 years. So God was, he was testing them. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm studying at the moment. I'm doing postgraduate studies 
And I know that about myself, if I know there's a test coming up, I'm, I'm going to want to find out what exactly is being covered in the test, what is, what is being tested, and I'm going to prepare myself for that test so that when I write that test, I can do well and I excel and I only do it once, I don't fail. But why is it when it comes to the tests of God, most of us are satisfied with not really knowing when God is taking us through a test or what is being tested or, if, or understanding if we pass or fail the test. And quite frankly, for many of us, we just take it again. If we, if we fail, it doesn't really, really seem to bother us in the church. But God takes us through tests. And you know what? If I'm going through a test, I want to know that I'm going through a test so that I can pass it, so that I don't have to redo the test. And when I do that test, I want to do well in that test. And the only way that we can know what God is up to, the only way that we can know what He's doing at this time, at this, in this, this part of my journey in my life right now, in my family right now, in my church right now, is by asking Him. The only way that I can know is by waiting on Him and saying, Lord, what are you doing right now? You know, what tests am I going through? Actually building relationship with him so that he speaks to me and that he gives me that understanding. As we go through life, God takes us through processes. He does. He takes us through roundabout, roundabout um, a, a means of getting us to the place that he desires to take us. And he doesn't always take us the most direct route. In fact, most of the time, I think he doesn't. He takes us a roundabout route because he's always up to something else. He's always up to something. He's after our hearts. He's wanting to shape us, to fashion us, to change us. He's wanting to mold us. He's wanting to teach us things, give us life lessons, equip us. He's wanting to test us. And so it's really important that we understand the purposes behind the seasons that we're in. And in order to understand the purpose behind a season, in order to understand what God is doing, I need to be in relationship with God. It's not enough for me to just pray five minutes or read my Bible, just a few verses, and not cultivate a relationship with the Lord. We need to cultivate our own relationship with the Lord. I can't have a relationship with the Lord through my husband who prays or through my pastor. I must have a relationship with the Lord. I must learn how to listen to Him, how to hear His voice, how to understand what He's doing in my life, how to see His hand at work in my life and family. The question is whether we will understand what He's doing and why, or whether we will simply follow the process and be like the Israelites who didn't understand what God was doing and didn't really want to seek God for understanding or whether we will be more like Moses and have a deep relationship with God where we pursue understanding and knowing God. You see, the challenge with not understanding what is going on, with not understanding what God is doing, with not understanding the seasons that we're in, is the inability to position ourselves for obedience and progress. How would we respond differently to situations if we knew what God was doing in us and trying to teach us? How would we? We would respond differently. We'd position ourselves differently. We'd take more care in certain, in certain areas. If I'm in a season where I'm experiencing difficulty in terms of financial provision, and I don't understand that God is wanting to teach me that He is my Father and that He is Jehovah Jireh, at that point, I can turn on God and start complaining. I can turn, I can throw all my... 
I can say this Christian thing, this God, I don't even know if he exists. But if I understand that he's actually testing me to see whether I will fully trust him, then it encourages me to stand on his word. It encourages me to continue to pray, to continue to look for goodness, to continue to trust him, to open my eyes, to see opportunities around me um, so that he can truly reveal himself to me as Jehovah Jireh, that I can pass that test first time. Okay, Um, Proverbs 2 verse 1 to 6 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of God and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. From whose mouth? From the Lord's mouth. So if we are not listening to the words that come from the mouth of the Lord, if we are not listening to what he's saying, if we are not asking questions, because sometimes God is silenced because we don't ask questions. If we're not asking questions and seeking, then maybe we're not actually going to find the answer because the answers come from his mouth. Proverbs says, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's important that we seek God. It's important that we pause in life and ask God questions and, and, and ask him to help us to understand when, and see when he's answering because he might not answer at the moment that I ask. He might answer through a situation. He might answer through my child. He might answer through someone who's not even aware that God is answering my question through what they're saying. So we need to also ask him to help us to hear when he's speaking to us. Jesus himself taught in Matthew 7 verse 7 to 8, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks sometimes finds. No, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. So Jesus said, for everyone who asks, receives. See, sometimes we ask and we ask amiss, okay? So we don't receive, that's what James says. But sometimes we ask and our eyes aren't open to see when we're actually receiving the answer to our prayer. But Jesus teaches us that when we ask, we will receive. When we ask God for wisdom, when we pursue God for understanding, when we ask him questions and desire to go deeper in our relationship with him, he will answer. Jesus says, he who seeks finds. He who knocks, it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. So let's ask and let's pursue and let's seek and let's find. Let's get answers. Let's get understanding. Let's get wisdom and let's walk in a deeper relationship with the Lord. My final uh, verse, uh, uh, portion of verses for this particular question is from Jeremiah 29 verse 11 to 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So I want to ask you today, People of God, how much do you want him? How much do you want it? How much, what are you willing to do? What, 
What price are you willing to pay in terms of digging the depth of your relationship with the Lord? It will cost. It is going to cost. But oh, it will be worth it. Amen. So that was my first question, which was about your relationship with God. What type of relationship with God will you be satisfied with? My second question, which I'm wanting to ask, is what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Exodus 4 verse 2, this is where Moses is at the burning bush and he has an encounter with the Lord where the Lord basically asks him if he will go and, and get his people, deliver his people from the Egyptians. And the Lord says to Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a rod. So Moses, you can imagine him, he's been shepherding sheep in the wilderness. And he is now, uh, has this encounter with the Lord. And he sees this burning bush and he's holding his rod. And the Lord says to him, what is that in your hand? And he says, it's a rod. It's a rod. And I'm going to pick up with that just now. But I want to say that um, this was the same rod that, that God had led Moses to use throughout the confrontations with Pharaoh. It was the rod that Moses was to use to perform all those signs and wonders before Pharaoh. And this was the same rod when the Egyptians had left Egypt, I mean, when the Israelites had left Egypt and had gone through the wilderness and the Lord led them to the edge of the sea. Um, and the, so the Red Sea is in front of them and... The, the, the mountains are behind them and the Egyptians are now pursuing them. So in effect, they're hemmed in. They are, they are trapped. And that was the rod that God got Moses to use to um, bring the Israelites their deliverance from the Egyptians when they crossed over the sea. And I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to read this particular portion of scripture Exodus 14, verse 10 to 16, it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, so the Egyptians are drawing near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And the Israelites were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone? To, so that we can serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we die here in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So this was the rod that the Lord was getting, the same rod that Moses lifted up and the Israelites crossed over on dry ground. Then when they crossed over the sea, uh, the Lord told Moses to lift up his rod and the waters closed over the Egyptians. And many commentaries say that this was his shepherd's rod because when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, what was Moses doing? He was shepherding. He was a shepherd um, and he would have had a shepherd's rod. And so many commentaries say that 
it was his shepherd's rod. And so for when I think about this, it's really encouraging because God used what was familiar to Moses. God used what he, Moses had been using for many, many years. God had been using that shepherd's rod. It was he was accustomed to it. It was familiar in his hand. It was comfortable in his hands. It was the very thing that God had put into his hand and used in a season of brokenness and preparation. Because you'll remember that we, did, we, we covered how the Egyptians despised shepherds, that they were the lowest rung on the ladder, that it was, if you were a shepherd, you were really the lowest of the lowest in society. And God took Moses from a palace where he would have learned that shepherding is to be despised and made him a shepherd and put a shepherd's rod in his hand. And that became what he did for, for his 40 years in the wilderness. And that was the thing that God then used to perform those wonders in front of Pharaoh and then to, uh, um, to part the Red Sea. Now, some dispute the fact that that was a shepherd's rod. Some say that shepherding was so despised by the Egyptians that there's no ways that Moses would have been able to carry it into the presence of Pharaoh. He wouldn't have been able to carry a shepherd's rod. And so some say that it must have been rather a walking rod or a walking stick that an 80-year-old man might use to walk with. But the point is this, whichever it was, Moses was given this in his wilderness. Moses used this in his will. He used this to perform the job that he was performing for 40 years in his season of preparation. And God used it when the time came to use God, to use Moses powerfully. And so out of that, that's, that's where I'm asking you this question. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? Because God puts things in our hand, in our season of wilderness or brokenness very often that he'll use in our season of manifestation. I'm wanting to ask you today, are you in a wilderness or a season of hiddenness? Are you in a season of preparation? What is God putting in your hand? What do you have in your hand? And maybe you haven't asked God, so you don't even know what there is in your hand. Maybe it's a natural talent. Maybe it's an idea. Maybe it's a gifting, maybe it's a grace, maybe it's something physical, something tangible. But what what is God putting in your hand or what does he put in your hand? What do you have in your hand? And and if you don't know, have you asked God? Have you asked him and waited for him to reveal it to you? I want to ask you, are you in a moment of confrontation in your life? Are you in a moment of warfare? What has God given you? What do you have in your hand that God may be wanting to use right now? You see, God doesn't need the extraordinary to do something extraordinary. God just needs the ordinary, what you have in your hand. He used a stick or a shepherd's rod in Moses' hand. He just needs what's in your hand. He's the one who, who does something extraordinary, not us. So he doesn't need what is in our hand to be extraordinary. He just needs us to be available to let him use it and then he can multiply or he can do the extraordinary with what what we've offered him. And I'm wanting to encourage us from another portion of scripture in terms of this point. Um, I want us to look at the widow of Zarephath and we see this interesting widow in 1 Kings 17 verse 8 to 15. I'm going to read this portion of scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, this is Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, 
which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said to him, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil, of, uh, a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. See, the widow here, the widow thought she was going to die. All she had left was enough for one meal for herself and her son. That was all she had in her hand. And it really wasn't enough to share. She couldn't see the provision. She couldn't see the plan. But Elijah knew what God was up to. Elijah had understanding. Remember that understanding that we spoke of in the first section of this message, the first question that I asked you. Elijah understood what God was doing. And he told her what he told her what to do, and she obeyed the Lord. And because she trusted God with what was in her hand, she used what was in her hand, she obeyed the Lord, she and her household were provided for. She and her household were provided for because she did what God had told her to do with what was in her hand. Now, don't you find it fascinating that God tells Elijah? That he had commanded a widow in Zarephath to provide for him. Yet when Elijah arrives, the widow wasn't aware of what God had commanded. She wasn't aware of the Lord's command. And Elijah had to actually say to her, do this and do this and do this. You see, the reality is that sometimes we are not aware of what God has spoken. We are not aware of God's commands. We're not aware of what God is up to and we blind to it. And because of our ignorance, we don't know what to do with what we've got. And so we are in lack. And sometimes it takes someone coming along, whether it's the Holy Spirit, whether it's another person, whether it's a prophet like here in Elijah's case, whether it's a friend, a family member, someone. Sometimes it takes someone coming along and revealing it to us and saying, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, do that. Hey, I think the Lord wants you to do. Sometimes it takes someone coming to open our eyes to see what we have in our hand. And as we obey the Lord, he can do something extraordinary with the little that we have in our hand. Amen. I want to encourage us with, a, with another example, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm going to use the accounts in John um, chapter 6 from verse 4 to verse 13. And it says now the Passover was near. And um, Jesus lifted his eyes and saw a great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He sometimes God already knows 
what he's going to do. We look out and we see the problem and we don't have a clue and we can feel overwhelmed and we can feel anxious. But God already knows what his plan is. He already knows what he's going to do. So Jesus already knew what he would do. And, and he asked Philip this question and Philip says, uh, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? What are they among so many? So he was like, this is not what we need. This is far too ordinary for this extraordinary feat of feeding all these, all these men, because it's actually 5,000 men, and that's not including the women and children. So there were a lot of people there. <clears throat> Verse 10, Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000 and Jesus took the loaves and when he'd given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Amazing, amazing miracle. Did they have enough in the natural? No. Did they have something? Yes. They gave what they had in their hand over to Jesus, and he multiplied and provided more than what was needed. So I want to encourage you today. What has God put in your hand? What is he putting in your hand? Don't despise what God has given you. Don't look down on the little you have in your hand. God doesn't need extraordinary to do extraordinary. He's God, remember. You need it to be more than enough. He doesn't. He just needs what he's put in your hand. So what does he put in your hand? Okay, the third question that I'm wanting to ask us today from... Um, looking at Moses and the Israelites, is the question, what has God provided? What has God provided? You see, like what happened with the widow where she didn't know what God had commanded or provided for her, we too sometimes don't see. We too sometimes don't recognize the provision of the Lord. We can sometimes be blind to it. Exodus 15 verse 22 to 26. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there God tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on which I have brought on the Egyptians, on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Very interesting. It only took three days for the people of Israel to complain and begin to cry out against Moses. Um, remember, it was three days. God did an incredible miracle, brought them through the Red Sea. Song of, they, they sang songs. They celebrated. They saw the Egyptians being covered 
um, by the waters. They were an incredible victory. Three days. It took three days for them to forget. They're thirsty. They don't have water. They don't understand what God is doing. They can't see the provision of the Lord. They complain against Moses. So the Israelites complained. What did, what did Moses do? It, it says that Moses cried out to the Lord. So the people forgot the pe what God had done. The people complained. The people didn't understand what God was doing. What did Moses do? Moses cried out to the Lord. You see, when we face impossible situations, we can complain or we can cry out to God. We can complain. We can set ourselves to pray. In this case, it was the crying out to God. It was the seeking God that caused God to reveal what he'd already provided because he knew that that tree was right by the waters of Marah. He knew he planted it there probably years before in preparation for he knew that tree was there. And Moses and the Israelites didn't know that what it could do, didn't understand its properties. They didn't know that that tree was a solution for their thirst problem. And it was the crying out to God that caused God to reveal the answer to their uh, immediate problem. And we have a choice in our situations. We can complain, we can murmur, we can complain against leaders, we can complain against bosses, we can complain against the Lord, or we can come before God and pray and cry out to Him. And it's this latter one that gives the solution, the complaining, the murmuring, all of that other stuff. That, that is just venting. That brings temporary emotional maybe release, but it doesn't provide solutions. It was the prayer. It was the seeking God that brought, them, brought Moses and the Israelites to a place where they could see the provision of the Lord. You see, God often brings us into situations that look bleak, from our perspective, because he's doing something deeper. And often, he's already provided the solution, and he's not surprised by our bleak situation. We're the ones who are surprised. God is not surprised. And um, if we really are walking with him, if we really are seeking to understand his ways, understand his purposes, to trust him, we would understand this, and it would change the way we react and respond in these types of situations. A, because we would possibly have more of an understanding of what God was doing and or what he could be doing. And B, because we would be more in a place of actually asking him. We would trust him. Say, Lord, where is the provision that you've provided in this situation? Which is what Moses did. And God revealed the answer to their problem. It was a tree that had been there all along that they had to throw in the water. And it made the waters sweet. So what has God provided? Do you know what he's provided for your situation. And I've got another example. Numbers 20, verse 2 to 13. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered against Moses and Aaron. This is all the Israelites. And the people contended with them and said, If only we died, why have you brought us up, um, brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die? Why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Remember, it was there. They'd been crying out to the Lord for deliverance for many, many, many years. Anyway, they're saying, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So they're complaining. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting and they fell on their faces. What did they do? What did they do? Did they sit and say, yes, yes, we hear, yes. They didn't agree with the, the people. They didn't complain against God. 
Okay, what did they do? The people were complaining. Moses and Aaron went to pray. They fell on their faces before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 8, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron. Gather the congregation. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from the Lord as he had commanded him. And they gathered the assembly before the rock and said, Here now you rebels, must we bring water out of the rock for you? And Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly. And the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he, the Lord, was hallowed among them. So here again, we see a similar thing where the people complain, and Moses sought God. Yes, we understand Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, so he disobeyed it, but that's a separate issue. The answer came when God was sought. God already had a plan. Moses, Aaron, the Israelites, they couldn't see it with their natural eyes. For all intents and purposes, they were going to die of thirst. But God already had a plan. He knew where he was going to give them water from. He had a solution. He made provision. They just couldn't see it. And it took Moses seeking God and asking him, Lord, Lord, where, you know, what, He's asking, where are we going to get water? What is your plan? What have you provided? Seeking the Lord. The Lord revealed it to them. So what has God provided? And if you can't see what he's provided, then I want to encourage you today to ask him, to ask him. So in conclusion, my message to, of my message today, the three questions that I'm wanting to leave us with. What type of relationship of God, with God will you be satisfied with? Will you be satisfied just to see his hand, to see his mighty works, but not to walk with him and understand his ways like Moses? Or are you willing to pursue and pay the price to pursue deeper relationship with him, understand his ways, understand his seasons, his timing, what he's doing in your life and the life of those around you? Are you willing to seek him so that so that you can position yourself, so that we can position ourselves better for God's purposes and plans. The second question that I'm asking us today is, what is in your hand? Do you know what is in your hand? If you, if you can't see it, maybe ask God to show you, to send someone to help you to see it, to send a situation to help you to see it. But what is in your hand that God gave you in your season of hiddenness, that God has given you in your season of preparation? What is in your hand? It feels natural to you. It comes naturally. There's something that God has given you. And God doesn't need the extraordinary. He just needs what is in your hand to do the extraordinary. The third question that I wanted to ask us today is what has God provided? What has God provided? And when you can't see the provision of the Lord, do you complain and murmur or do you seek him? Because it's in the seeking him. It's in the praying. It's in the pursuing him. That is where God reveals his answer in terms of what he has provided. And I guarantee you God has provided because God is a provider. That is his nature. The question is, can you see it? Are you aware of it? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you for this message. I really pray for each one of us for a grace 
to apply these to our lives. Holy Spirit, would you reveal these answers to us? Would you help us to be brutally honest with ourselves? And would you take us to a deeper level in our relationship with you? We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.